ye being rooted and grounded in, say it with me, church, love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Somebody said, I want to get full of God. Well, the Bible tells us how. Right here in these verses that we've read. Verse number 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Say it with me, church. Amen. Father, we're grateful for the privilege to be in the house of God. Lord, I look to you this morning, Lord, because I have nowhere else to look. I'm with Peter this morning when he said, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. My Father in heaven, Lord, I cannot do without you. This congregation, Lord, each of us gathered in this building cannot look and have hope by ourselves. But Father, I pray, Lord, Father, that you would take your word and bless it. Father, as you already have, thank you how you've met with us in this place, in this service. Thank you for all the singing, every testimony given. Father, every lesson taught, every word said from beginning till now. So, Father, I ask this morning, Lord, that we would not speak with the wisdom of men, Lord, and in demonstration of man's weakness. But I pray, Lord, Father, that we would speak according to your grace, Lord, and your power with much assurance. Father, I pray this morning... Forgive us, Lord, where we've sinned. Cleanse us, Lord, of every conscious and unconscious sin this morning. Help us and, Lord, make us a clean vessel meet for the Master's use. Well, I pray if there be one here that doesn't know you're the free pardon of sin, that you would draw them with cords of love to your precious bleeding side. Father, I pray this morning for that child of God in need of you, of that grace that only you can give, that help that only you can give. That strength that only you can provide. Do that that only you can do. Father, whatsoever you see fit to do in this service, we'll be sure to give you praise. We'll be sure to give you honor. We'll be sure to give you glory. For Father, we'll recognize that we've done none of it. And that all the glory, all the praise, all the honor belongs to you, Father, the great and holy one, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. The Lord Jesus Christ and His blessed Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. I'm preaching with the help of the Lord on this subject, knowing the love of Christ. Several years ago, the Los Angeles Times reported an elderly woman and man dead in their apartment. Of course, they took the bodies and studied them to see what was the reason and cause from death. And the autopsies revealed that they both died of malnutrition. It's a sad story, isn't it? 
What's even sadder is that investigators found a total of $40,000 cash in their closet stored in paper bags. And they died of malnutrition. Another woman, her name was Hattie Green. Some of you in here might be old enough to recognize that. She died in 1916. But she was called after the report came out, America's greatest miser, which is just simply one, uh, Brother Vickers, that means a tight one. All right? Now, you may be one of those as well. But she was known as America's greatest miser. She did die in 1916. She was so miserly that every morning she ate cold oatmeal so that she would not have to pay the difference of heating the water to mix with her oatmeal. Her son once had a leg injury and she took so long trying to find a free clinic that infection set up in her son's leg and they amputated the leg of her son. It was said that she hastened her own death. Listen to this now, it's a true story. It was said that she hastened her own death by bringing on a fit of apoplexy because she was arguing with someone how wonderful skim milk was versus whole milk because it was cheaper. When she died in 1916, the news finally rolled out about Miss Hattie Green that her estate was worth $100 million. Not $100 million in 2024, but $100 million in 1916. We may think how crazy that is. How horrible. And worse yet, how silly that it might be that someone with that much wealth wouldn't even stir and warm their oatmeal with warm water because of the fear of wasting money. But I wonder, when our Heavenly Father sees our condition versus all the riches that he has provided for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. All the preciousness of understanding, all the splendors and the depths of the spiritual oceans that lay untapped. Does it grieve his heart that we're not receiving the help, the benefit? The peace, the grace, the wonder that he has for us. But rather, are we sitting on top of a spiritual gold mine living like paupers in the sight of the Lord Jesus Christ? Can I get some help in the church this morning? And we find in our text when Paul is making closing art arguments about the vastness 
of the wealth in Christ Jesus. That in this book alone, riches are mentioned five times. Grace is mentioned 14 times. Glory is mentioned eight times. Fullness is mentioned six times in Ephesians. And the name of our Lord Jesus Christ is mentioned 15 times in a six chapter book. These statements about the riches and the glory and the amazing fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ would not have been lost on the Ephesian believers. For you see, they came up in a culture and in a time and in a situation and an environment that you could not even trade in the economy of Ephesus in this rich bolstering border of the ocean town. You could not trade your wares. You could not make a living in the county seat without taking incense and putting it over the fire to honor and worship and glorify the name of the emperor who sat on the seat in the city of Rome there in that place. Up, my dear friend, beloved, it was a city of vast darkness. Fourteen temples resided in this place called Ephesus. The temple of Diana was one of the seventh wonders of the world. Much longer than a football field and was suspended by great and mighty pillars that spread throughout. Perverse reasonings only to conduct business in a horrible atmosphere. But when Paul wrote those Ephesian believers had said you have no idea of knowing how rich that you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, it would have came to them as great importance. I know about Paul as he was writing. Listen, beloved, you may say, I don't have great riches. You may say that my bank account is not full. You may look at the 401k and see an empty, cobweb, dusty account. But my dear friend, if you're saved by the blood of the Lamb, you're spiritually wealthy. And the depth of your account has no bottom in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to the name of the Lamb. Oh, the Ephesian people were broke. They were hurting. They were in trouble. But Paul says, I know you may feel poor. I know when you look at everybody else, they've got the new vehicle. They've got the new house. They just took the new vacation. They just had the new baby. They just bought a new dress. That man just bought a new pair of $200 Danner boots. Can I get a witness, men? But glory be to God. He told those believers at Ephesus, if you're saved, he and you are one with another and you have every riches of glory in Christ Jesus. I need some help from the church this morning. 
I've opened two waters already, amen. This is one hour and that's hour two. No, I'm just kidding, I lost you right there, didn't I? Oh, these people have no doubt fell under the pressure. And in the culture and time that they lived, no doubt they failed many times. And they stumbled many times at believing what the apostle wrote to them. Oh, and many times in their culture, the darkness that pervaded them, they failed. And church, I just believe that I might be happening to talk to a bunch of a group of people who fails from time to time, who misses the mark from time to time. You don't always see how good you've got it in the Lord Jesus Christ. But this morning, church, I've come with a message of hope. You may not be able to see how much Jesus loves you. You may not be able to see how rich you are in Christ Jesus. But old church, Paul has a prayer for you. And he stops in the middle of his epistle. And says this, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, firstly, Paul's prayer. Out of nowhere, Paul is saying that I have a request to make of God on your behalf. There is something that God wants you to see that you may not see. How desperate is Paul's prayer? It's desperate enough that while he's in prison, that while he's in bounds, that while he's in bondage under the hand of Caesar, that he deems it necessary enough, that he deems it important enough, that he deems it big enough to stop and look at that Roman jailer and say, buddy, I'm not trying to escape or run away from you, but I've got to get down on my knees and pray for that bunch that's in Ephesus that does not realize how much Jesus loves them. They don't understand how much Christ cares for them. At church, I was praying last night and praying this week. I don't know who's in here that needs to hear it, but I've come to tell you this morning that Jesus loves you and that he cares for you and that he waits for you to know, that he waits for you to understand, that he waits for you to see this great love that he loves you with. Verses 14, he says, I'm calling on God to open your eyes to something that you might see something. He said, I'm not calling on the apostle John, James, Andrew, Matthew. I'm not calling on Barnabas. I'm not calling on Timothy, your pastor. I'm not calling on this one or that. No, I'm calling on God that he might open your eyes to something magnificent, to something true, to something amazing, to something holy, to something massive, to something big that you can enjoy in this life. Paul's request now. Here we go. So... We see, 
we see the setting. And we see Paul's prayer that he did pray. He thought it necessary. But what did he pray, church? What did Paul pray? Paul's request was this. That they would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's in verse number 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Semicolon. Remember that. Semicolon. This is not a stop. This is not a period. But this statement that is made is attached to the following statement that is made. Paul is saying and praying. He says, hey, I know you're facing struggle. He said, I know that the pressure's on. I know that some of you are failing. I know that some of you are tripping and falling up. You want to do right. You want to walk with God. You want to love Jesus. You want to pray. You want to read His Word. You want to raise your family right. You want to love your grandchildren right. You want to experience the fullness of God. But my prayer is for you that the Spirit stirs something inside of you. You see, He's told them that they're in Christ. But He's praying that Christ stirs in them. Many of us know that we've been saved. Many of us know that we're in Christ. Many of us know that we're secure in Him. But I wonder this morning, when is the last time that Christ has stirred in you? I need some help, church. Have you ever been strengthened by Him? In the inner man. That's what Paul's prayer is. And he says semicolon. It's attached to the next verse. Verse number 17. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might by his spirit. In the inner man. And that will happen as a result of verse number 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. By faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. That Christ may dwell. That Christ may dwell. Turn around to your neighbor and say. That Christ may dwell. This word dwell symbolizes to occupy a house. I want to ask you something church. Is Jesus at home in your heart? Hey, we rejoice about the home that is in heaven that waits for us. But Jesus lives in you now. You're crucified with Christ. Christ is inside of you. This is the mystery of the glory of God. That Jesus would be inside of us. Let me ask you something. Is he at home there? Is he at home in you? Oh, many of us seek to be swayed by an emotional preacher that gets us stirred up and our emotions shaken. Many of us love a good sad story that would stir our emotions and cause tears to fall. 
But does the fact that Christ dwells in your heart stir you? That's a sincere question. Does that stir you? And that Christ may dwell, occupy, live to be at home in your heart by faith. That is, continuing trust in Christ. We must trust Him. Do you remember when you began trusting Him? Well, you lived that Christian life the same way you began, by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, are you, so, are you so been so far removed from the truth that you've begun in a good way? You've begun by the Spirit, but you're now made perfect by the flesh. Listen, you began this thing by grace through faith, and that's how you're going to end it. All right, being rooted and grounded in love quickly. Verse number 17, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. That is to say that a mighty tree does not provide for itself. Paul said, I'm praying that you would be strengthened by his might, by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. That is to say that a mighty tree does not provide for itself. It's not the leaves that you're seeing that gives that oak its strength. Hey, it's not the fruit that falls from that mighty oak that gives it its strength. Hey, it's not that bark that you see that is rough and mighty and true that is weathered from the storm. Oh, no. It's those roots that go deep in the ground that give that tree that strength. And it's not your ability that helps you in this race. It's not your beauty that helps you in this race. It's not your power or your eloquence or your ability or your money or your talents. No, it's what we're rooted in, thank God. Hallelujah. And grounded on. Bless His holy name. And rooted and grounded in love, comma. It's the second punctuation mark I want you to notice. Rooted and grounded in love, comma. So it's a continuation. We're rooted and grounded. That word grounded simply means foundation. Look, I have nothing else to build on except His love for me. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves you? Let me reaffirm something to our church this morning. If you're a member of Murrayville Baptist Church, or if you are a Christian that has chosen to come here, and you're not a member this morning, it is not my love for Him that's unwavering. Your love for Him may have risen this week or it may have gotten lower. 
But beloved, you're not rooted and grounded in your love for him. You are rooted and grounded, hallelujah, in his love. Whoo! In his love for you. My love changes. My love goes up. My love goes down. But his love never changes for you. Hallelujah. Where does the oak tree get all its nourishment from, Brother Vickers? It gets all, it lo all its love from the root. He is the vine. And we are the branches. And Jesus said... Abide in me, and I in you. Can I get a witness in the church? My hope is built on nothing less. Less I have no other foundation. And Paul says, my prayer for you. I don't really, I'm not concerned if you can rehearse 70 verses. I'm not concerned if you speak with great eloquence. But I am concerned that the thing that you're stirred by is how much Jesus loves you. Hallelujah. Do you see? The need for each and every one of us in this church is to comprehend the love of Jesus that he has for you and for me. Paul's prayer was not even that the Ephesus church would love Jesus more. Because he knew, are you listening? Stay with me, don't, don't lose me right there. He knew that if they could ever see, Brother Ron, the glories and the beauty and the amazing, majestical, maganess of the love of Jesus Christ, that the love that the church had for God would take care of itself. What is your comprehension level of the love that Jesus has for you? I mean, let's take a real account, folks. Let's break out the audit. Let's just have an audit this morning. What is your comprehension of how much Jesus loves you? Do you want to know how to determine your growth and maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ? And your spirituality? It's your reality and awareness. And comprehension of how much Jesus loves you. Let me say that one more time. If you want to know what your maturity level is in Jesus Christ, it behooves you to take account of how real the love of Jesus is to you. What do you mean, Brother Jay? Listen. Babes in Christ are self-centered. 
Can I get a witness? Babies are self-centered. Charlotte is not a bit more concerned today about the happiness level of mama and daddy. You know what she is concerned about? Herself. Why is that? Because she's a baby. Oh, Charlie and I love that child. And you love your baby beyond unfathomable reaches today. But your baby may not be aware of that. Because the baby is self-centered. Charlotte, Charlotte, all she wants to do is play. That's all she wants to do. She wants to feel good. She wants to play good. As long as she is comfortable, everybody else is comfortable. <laughs> And sometimes her comfort, let me rephrase that, most of the time her comfort comes at the expense of mommy and daddy's. Is that right? But as you mature in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will get a sense of just how unworthy you are. Of just how wretched you are. The more you walk, the more you see the holes that are in yourself. That you do not deserve the love of Jesus Christ. And as you go, you'll see, hey, I don't deserve this love of Jesus like I thought I did when I first began to believe. Are you listening to me now? You may assume Christ loves you because you're just so lovable. That's not true. But He loves you because, oh, bless His name. I don't know why He loves me. I told you the story of my friend. He's getting his son ready. And the son said, hey, Daddy, why do we get ready every church every Sunday? Well, we're going to church. Daddy, why are we going to church? Well, we're going to church to worship God. Why are we going to church to worship God? Because he loved us so much, son. Why did he love, the, why did he love us so much? Why does he love us so much? He didn't have an answer. I can't give you an answer for why Jesus loves me. But every time we get in Charlotte's nursery and we start singing that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, 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 Jesus loves me. Hallelujah. The divine dimensions, I didn't even give you any of my points. If y'all want them, you can come up after. I'll give them to you. I'm just preaching this morning. I'm done. And Paul gives us the divine dimensions of this love. And to know the love of Christ. Listen, church. He says in verse 17, That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. We have divine dimensions. There's no way we can cover this. But I'll just say this. The breadth, the breadth of his love speaks about how he went way out there for me. 
the length speaks of the fact that he would go all the way to Calvary. The depth speaks of the fact that he stooped to the lowest level. And the height speaks to the fact that he looks all the way up to God and said, I'll be their great intermediary. But one man said it like this. The reason Paul mentioned the breadth, length, depth, and height is because any way you go, that direction is unlimited. And you cannot imagine. You cannot know. The Bible even tells us that he longs for us to know what we can't know. And that is knowing, experiencing, being made aware of the love that Jesus has for you. God wanted me to tell you, church, Jesus loves you. <laughs> it is a present love. It is an active love. It is an experiential love. And to know the love of Christ. That's a term that a husband and a wife might know of. One of intimacy. I love Charlie more than I've ever loved her right now today. I loved her more than I loved her yesterday. And I loved her more than I saw her walking down that conference hall with that gray skirt on and that blue jean jacket with her fiddle through over her back about to play some music. I love her more now than I ever did. But there's times that through the stresses and the pains of life that we don't get to just sit and enjoy one another and our fellowship with one another. But all those special times. Like when we dropped Charlotte off with mom. And we went out on the date. And I fall all in love. With her over again. Oh, those are precious times. But likewise. Life will carry its stresses. Life will carry its pains. Life will carry its sufferings. We will have family members that die. We will have sickness that strikes our family. We will face financial hardships, issues that come and go. But beloved, it would do us good to stop the music every now and then and just experience the love of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the name of God. Does anybody in this church know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Bless the name of God. I'm talking about the love of Christ. When is it the last time that the knowledge of it just absolutely got you tore all to pieces? It hasn't in a while because you feel like you deserve it. <clears throat> the love my wife has to me drives me to do some crazy things. Like get up at five in the morning. Roll out of bed and go to work to feed her and to feed that little baby. And church, I want to thank you for how good y'all are to us. And I know this much 
that you wouldn't be getting up every morning and going to work for your family if it wasn't for the love that you have for those that are your responsibility. But I want to tell you something, church. Jesus said, if ye then be an evil, know how to give good gifts in your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things unto them that ask Him? If He asks for an adder, will you give Him this? If He asks for this, will you give, if He asks for an egg, will you give Him a snake? Listen, church. Jesus loves you. When's the last time it's affected you? Has there been anything swelling in your heart in this service? <clears throat> As Brother Ron spoke of the cutting edge, that type of the spirit and the word. As the teachers taught their lessons. As the choir sang about the love of Christ. As the specials were sung about... Hallelujah. Rock of ages, cliff for me. Let me hide myself in thee. I'm telling you, I am so glad that Jesus loves me. And you're looking at a man who's made a mess out of himself, who continuously fumbles and falters, but the love of Jesus knows no bounds and knows no limits. I can't believe he loves me. And if I'll give myself to knowing the love of Jesus, I will get filled with His fullness. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. You say, Brother Jay, I want to get filled with God. Well, start knowing how much Jesus loves you. You say, Brother Jay, I just want to... Oh, listen, church. See, we've drifted in such a corporate type of relationship with God. And we've drifted into such a dead, dry atmosphere and walk with God. And we've shifted. Uh, Y'all stay with me. I'm preaching to Brother Jay right now. But we've shifted to such a self-centered, man-centered worship of God. And it's dry. And it's dead. And it's unfulfilling. And we can't keep people in the church for more than five minutes. We can't force people to sit still. To sit quiet. To hear a song. To hear a message. But beloved. If we'll shift our sight. On how much Jesus loves you and me. We'll start worshiping again. We'll start praising again. We'll start working again. And those people down at the job site. Will see something different. Because the love of Jesus changes you. It shifts you. I promise you'll start walking holier. I promise you'll start praying more. I promise you'll start reading the Bible more. I promise you'll start witnessing more. I promise it won't be an issue to have faithfulness in the house of God or Him if you see the love that Jesus has for you. I'm about preached out this morning. I preached out. But I just want to thank him for loving me. You'll get filled up with the fullness of God if you see his love. And see, a lot of churches are preaching that backwards. That you've got to increase your love for Jesus. Pump it and 
pump it and dump it. Just get, just get going. Just, I mean, kick a third gear and hide. Do everything you can. Do what you can do. Do it of your power. Do it of your own strength. Do it of your own self. You got to do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. But God says it's already done. It's already done. It's already done in Jesus Christ. Now enjoy my love and get filled with the fullness of God. Woo! Hallelujah. Whew. I think I pulled something back here. I'm so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. But this is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, I am so glad that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves even me, though I forget him and wander away, still he doth love me wherever I stray. Back to his dear loving arms will I flee when I remember that Jesus loves me. Sing it with me, church. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. If you know it, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Sing it with me. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Sing it. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Well, amen. Done the best I know how this morning. Let me, I gotta leave you with this. Sinner friend, you have no idea how much Jesus Loves you. There's no way you can know because you're dead to God. You're not alive to God. You're dead to Him. But oh, if you've heard the word of God this morning. That Jesus Christ came. Was manifest in the flesh. 
justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached on to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. The gospel that Jesus loves you so much that He suffered your penalty of sin, death, and hell, and the grave. He took it all upon Himself in the form of a servant. He loves you. I wonder if you'd be saved this morning. I wonder if you'd come to Him. When's the last time, child of God? When's the last time you've been stirred by the love of Christ? I mean, really stirred in the inner man. Maybe you want to come down the altar this morning and just say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving me. And Terry, y'all sing. Let's all stand around the building. You'll be obedient to God. Go ahead. Oh, God.